Heavenly Father, Yah, we come before your throne of grace, and we ask that you please uh, bless this Torah portion. Father, please help your truth uh, to rule over this study. Father, please help us to um, get an answer to every question that we may have and a better understanding of each portion that we go through. Uh, Father, I ask you please continue to help all those who have had uh, damages from these uh, storms that have blown through. Father, please help um, all those who have suffered loss. Please continue to guard your flock. Father, please uh, help the widows, all the orphans, all those who are poor during this season. Father, please help um, everybody to celebrate this Passover. Please help your truth to continue to come out as we see more and more people waking up to the truth that is your feast, Father. Uh, Father, we thank you for sending your son, Yeshua, to die in that state, to remove our yoke of bondage to sin, that we may walk in righteousness. We all have hope, faith, and trust in this, as well as all that you do for us, Father. We know that certainly without you, we'd be nothing. Please continue to bless this evening. Father, we love you, and we ask all these things in the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. We're going to start in Leviticus 9. <clears throat> get this. All right. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron, his sons, and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, take a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish. And present them before the Lord, and tell the Israelites, Take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, male yearlings without blemish, for a burnt offering, an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil. For today the Lord is going to appear to you. They brought what Moses had commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and the whole community came forward and stood before the Lord. Moses said, This is what the Lord commanded you to do that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Then Moses said to Aaron, Approach the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering. Make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the people's offering and make atonement for them, as the Lord commanded. So Aaron approached this altar and slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. Aaron's sons brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and applied it to the horns of the altar. He poured out the blood at the base of the altar, he burned the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty lobe of the liver from the sin offering on the altar, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He burned up the flesh and the hide outside the camp. Then he slaughtered the burnt offering. Aaron's sons brought him the blood. He sprinkled it on all sides of the altar. They brought him the burnt offering piece by piece, along with the head, and he burned them on the altar. He washed the entrails and the shanks and burned them with a burnt offering on the altar. Aaron presented the people's offering. He took the male goat for the people's sin offering, slaughtered it, and made a sin offering with it as he did before. He presented the burnt offering and sacrificed it according to the regulation. Next, he presented the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burnt it on the altar in addition to the morning burnt offering. Finally, he slaughtered the ox and the ram as the people's fellowship sacrifice. 
Aaron's sons brought him the blood, and he sprinkled it on all sides of the altar. They also brought the fat portions from the ox and the ram, the fat tail and the fat surrounding the entrails, the kidneys and the fatty lobe of the liver, and placed these on the breasts. Aaron burned the fat portions on the altar, but he waved the breasts and the right thigh as a presentation offering before the Lord, as Moses had commanded. Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. He came down after sacrificing the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering. Moses and Aaron then entered the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell face down on the ground. <clears throat> and if you remember from the chapter before, it says the eighth day because uh, Aaron and his sons were supposed to stay for seven days. So this is the first day after the consecration of the priest. We'll go on to chapter 10. Um, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, each took his own fire pan, put fire in it, placed incense on it, and presented unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them to do. Then fire came from the Lord and burned them to death before the Lord. So Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will show my holiness to those who are near me, and I will reveal my glory before all the people. But Aaron remained silent. Moses summoned Michael and Elzaphan, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, Come here and carry your relatives away from the front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward and carried them, in their tunics outside the camp, as Moses had said. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not let your hair hang loose, and do not tear your garments, or else you will die, and the Lord will become angry with the whole community. However, your brothers, the whole house of Israel, may mourn over that tragedy when, they, when the Lord sent the fire. You must not go outside the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, for the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. The Lord spoke to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or beer when you enter the tent of meeting or else you will die. This is a permanent statute throughout your generations. You must distinguish between the holy and the common and the clean and the unclean and teach the Israelites all the statutes that the Lord has given to them through Moses. Moses spoke to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, take the grain offering that is left over from the fire offerings to the Lord and eat it prepared without leaven beside the altar, because it is especially holy. You must eat it in a holy place, because it is your portion and your sons from the fire offering to the Lord. For this is what I was commanded. But you and your sons and your daughters may eat the breast of the presentation offering and the, and the thigh of the contribution in any ceremonially clean place because these portions have been assigned to you and your children from the Israelites' fellowship sacrifices. They are to bring the thigh of the contribution and the breast of the presentation offering, together with the offerings of fat portions made by fire, to wave as a presentation offering before the Lord. It will belong permanently to you and your children, as the Lord commanded. 
Later, Moses inquired about the male goat of the sin offering, but it had already been burned up. He was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's, son, Aaron's surviving sons, and asked, Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sanctuary area? For it is especially holy, and he has assigned it to you to take away the guilt of the community and make atonement for them before the Lord. Since its blood was not brought inside the sanctuary, you should have eaten it in the sanctuary area as I commanded. But Aaron replied to Moses, See, today they presented their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord. Since these things have happened to me, if I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been acceptable in the Lord's sight? When Moses heard this, it was acceptable to him. Anybody got questions, comments? All right, I finally made it. Welcome. We're about to start chapter 11 of Leviticus. All right. We'll find out what we can and can't eat. I like it. Chapter 11. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Tell the Israelites, you may eat all these kinds of, an of land animals. You may eat any animal with divided hooves and that chews the cud. But among the ones that chew the cud or have divided hooves, you are not to eat these. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have divided hooves. It is unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have hooves. It is unclean for you. The hare, though it chews the cud, does not have hooves. It is unclean for you. The pig, though it has divided hooves, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. Do not eat any of their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. This is what you may eat from all that is in the water. You may eat everything in the water that has fins and scales, whether in the seas or streams. But these are to be detestable to you. Everything in the seas or streams that does not have fins and scales, among all the swarming things and other living creatures in the water, they are to remain detestable to you. You must not eat any of their meat, and you must detest their carcasses. Everything in the water that does not have fins and scales will be detestable to you. You are to detest these birds. They must not be eaten because they are detestable. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, any kind of falcon, every kind of raven, the ostrich, the short-eared owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the long-eared owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All winged insects that walk on all fours are to be detestable to you, but you may eat these kinds of all the winged insects that walk on all fours, those that have joint, jointed legs above their feet for hopping on the ground. You may eat these, any kind of locust, katydid, cricket, and grasshopper. All other winged insects that have four feet are to be detestable to you. These will make you unclean. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean until evening, and whoever carries any of their carcasses must wash his clothes and will be unclean until evening. All animals that have hooves but do not have a divided hoof and do not chew the cud are unclean for you. Whoever touches them becomes unclean. All the four-footed animals that walk on their paws are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean until evening. 
And anyone who carries their carcasses must wash his clothes and will be unclean till evening. They are unclean for you. These creatures that swarm on the ground are unclean for you. The weasel, the mouse, any kind of large lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the common lizard, the skink, and the chameleon. These are unclean for you among all the swarming creatures. Whoever touches them when they are dead will become unclean until evening. When any one of them dies and falls on anything, it becomes unclean. Any item of wood, clothing, leather, sackcloth, or any implement used for work. It is to be rinsed with water and will be and will remain unclean until evening. Then it will be clean. If any of them falls into a clay pot, everything in it will become unclean. You must break it. Any edible food coming into contact with that unclean water will become unclean. And any drinkable liquid in any container will become unclean. Any, anything one of their carcasses falls on will become unclean. If it is an oven or stove, it must be smashed. It is unclean and will remain unclean for you. A spring or cistern containing water will remain clean, but someone who touches a carcass in it will become unclean. If one of their carcasses falls on any seed that is to be sown, it is clean. But if water has been put on the seed and one of their carcasses falls on it, it is unclean for you. If one of the animals that you use for food dies, anyone who touches its carcass will be unclean until evening. Anyone who eats some of its carcass must wash his, his clothes and will be unclean until evening. Anyone who carries its carcass must wash his clothes and will become or be unclean until evening. All the creatures that swarm on the earth are detestable. They must not be eaten. Do not eat any of the creatures that swarm on the earth, anything that moves on its belly or walks on all fours or on many feet, for they are detestable. Do not become contaminated by any creature that swarms. Do not become unclean or defiled by them, for I am Yahweh your God. So you must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. You must not defile yourselves by any swarming creature that crawls on the ground, for I am Yahweh who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. So you must be holy because I am holy. This is the law concerning animals, birds, all living creatures that move in the water, and all creatures that swarm on the ground. In order to distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between the animals that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. Don't eat the other stuff. Oh man, no alligators. Nope. <laughs> They're too hard to clean anyway. No gator hunting. No, I can hunt them. <laughs> I just can't eat it. <laughs> Especially if they're in my rice field. I think I think I need to get them out of there. Yeah, I would think so too. <laughs> I think we should play with them. I think we should play with them. <laughs> yeah. I'm not bringing any gators home. Maybe. Dustin said he's always want to play with a gator. Somewhat. Um, they're cuddly. Not really. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, turtles mentioned in this one, but not the other one. Or tortoise. And it says to land crocodile in the TF 2009. 
<laughs> the land crocodile. The land crocodile. any kind of large lizard and then the notes and the HCSB says or of thorn-tailed or dab lizard or of crocodile. Huh. There you go. Well, I never had the luxury of eating crocodile, so I think I'm not saying. Yeah, I've never had it either. I had plenty of the other, but I think I'd be before. Yeah, when I first started all this, what I was really uh, distressed about was the beavers <laughs> i didn't we didn't even eat that much pork we ate some but not what you did you know? a lot of pork. Uh, but yeah beavers amazing and they're nuisance so it's convenient but i feel like beaver would taste like a wet dog it tastes like steak oh no it tastes like beef really oh yeah it's a herbivore it's really good. Sure. I don't feel like pork that much. <laughs> I got each other for eight hours roasting a Boston butt. <laughs> a Boston butt. Yeah. What, is, bar. what is a Hyrax? That's a, That's a jackal. Oh. There you go. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll take the word for it. That's messed up, Micah. <laughs> okay, I'll go to that one. <laughs> a Hyrax is a... Must say it's kind of like a rabbit. A rock Hyrax. A herbivore, yeah. mammal, well-fired, rotund uh, animals with short tails. It says it's similar to a shoe mouse. Shoe shoe mouse. Shoe mouse. Shrew mouse. Oh. A shrew. A shrew. Yeah, that would make sense. Shrew. I've heard of that. It's a, it's a rodent. <laughs> yeah. I've had a shrew before. I didn't know it was a hyrax. It's one of those things. The only thing I wish though is I wish that beef and chicken was where beef was as cheap as pork is, man. Well, I've come to the conclusion that I mean, it's cheap for a reason. So they can feed it anything. Oh, I know that. Yep. 
And I didn't really take that into consideration uh, during all this, but but yeah, they, I mean, it, it'll they'll eat anything, especially wild. I mean, if you got any rotten soybeans or anything, you can go dump it down the swamp somewhere, and a hog's going to get it. Mm-hmm. And just makes sense that there would be some residual uh, effects of that over time. Mm-hmm. I used to um, I used to eat like pork every morning for breakfast. Yeah, I wish we could get beef bacon somewhere around here. You can't, I mean, you got to make it if you want it here. It's just not a thing. I, I said Have that you out loud. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've looked at, they got some like really processed looking stuff, but. Um. I got it's good. I mean, it tastes good, but what I got from Valerie at that time was uh, I mean, it was sure enough like made out of brisket or something. It was it was really good and but it was expensive. There's but some I, there's some people that won't even like in a twerk camp won't even eat that because it's not kosher. Oh my lord! Why? I don't know. I never remember seeing some people arguing about it. Someone like, came on one of my posts and said because I was eating turkey bacon one time that I was worshiping pork. Oh yeah, I remember that one. That was it. Yeah, that was like her second TikTok video. Oh yeah, they're like. You're worshiping pork because you're eating turkey bacon. Like, oh That's my funny. god! I mean, I'm, I take we got a fresh cow, got another one coming soon, and I have him. Uh, I don't have him trimming at all, so it holds together like, like pork, and so I can make breakfast sausage out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, that would be like I'm worshiping pork because I want seasoning or sausage seasoning on my hamburger for breakfast. That's right. <laughs> I like my sage, wife, man. My wife makes chicken sausage. It's delicious, man. Well, anybody ever eating bacon and says they don't like it is a liar. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was I says now as I've like come this far for a while and I smell pork now. It kind of gives me, I get, I mean, it makes me feel a little sick. Yeah, it, makes, it makes my stomach turn for sure. Yeah. Makes me start feeling sick or my ass is gross. I remember I was doing DoorDash for a little while, like in between jobs and that stuff, man. I was smelling that stuff. I was like, man, it smells terrible. Man, this plain awful. We was walking through, we was walking through a Walmart one time. And we started getting up towards the front. We was just about done, thank God, too, because you just smell them cooking something pork-wise. And I was just like, my God, there should be a law against that. Like, I was about to puke all in, in the deli. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was like, we got to go. <laughs> He's going to puke all over the sweet midgets there. I'm telling you, man, it's it's it just smelled awful. Like, at one point, you know, 
I can remember childhood, you know, we used to eat a lot of pork. And at one point, like, you smell it and you're like, oh, it's food time. But now it's like, something's definitely changed because I smell it. And I'm like, that's that's awful. <laughs> it should not be burnt. I remember uh, we went to, the other day, went to Little Rock, the capital. And it's like the whole town smells like fast food. Like you, you get out, no matter where you are, it seems like at any kind of a area, business type area, every everything smells like McDonald's. Seems like French fries and all that stuff. No wonder, <laughs> no wonder I can't get out of here without fast food. Is every time you go into a city, like the big cities, your main cities, our Litchfield smells like that. Like our our closest big city is Litchfield. And once you get in there, it's all the Chinese, uh, fast, all of that. And that's all you smell. And it's disgusting. But for me, currently, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, I just want to eat now. You just want to sit down in the parking lot and eat all of it? Yeah. Not the pork part. I don't want no bacon. I don't want no ham. Because I know they go have, just give me some KFC and then I'll be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm fine. But it's terrible going in town anywhere. Because it does, even for the most part, it does stink. So, yeah. I mean, we don't have that. I mean, I don't know. I can't. Since I've had COVID, <laughs> my smell is pretty much gone. I'd be right up on something to smell it. Stuff messed me up pretty good. I don't know what they did to me with that, that virus, but that won't right. Everybody ready? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. From Second Samuel 6. We're going to read that through chapter 7, verse 17. <clears throat> it says, David again assembled all the choice men in Israel, 30,000. He and all his troops set out to bring the ark of God from Baal of Judah, the ark is called by the name, the name of Yahweh of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. There set the ark of God on a new cart and transported it from Abinadab's house, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the cart and brought it with the ark of God from Abinadab's house on the hill. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of fir wood, fir wood instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah reached out to the ark of God and took hold of it because the oxen had stumbled. Then the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, and God struck him dead on the spot for his irreverence, and he died there next to the ark of God. David was angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, so he named that place an outburst against Uzzah, as it is today. David feared the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? So he was not willing to move the ark of the Lord to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed, Obedam, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained 
in his house three months, and the Lord blessed Obedidom. Obedidom. There we go. Obedidom. And his whole family. It was reported to King David, the Lord has blessed Obedidom's family and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and had the ark of God brought up from Obedidom's house to the city of David with rejoicing. When those carrying the ark of the Lord advanced six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf. David was dancing with all his might before the Lord, wearing a linen ephod. He and the whole house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of the ram's horn. A shofar. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Saul's daughter, Michael, Michal, Michal, we'll say Michal, <laughs> looked down from the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent David had set up for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of Yahweh hosts. Then he distributed a loaf of bread, date cake, and a raisin cake to each one in the entire Israelite community, both men and women. Then all the people left, each to his own home. When David returned home to bless his household, Saul's daughter, Michal, came out to meet him. How the king of Israel honored himself today, she said. He exposed himself today in the sight of the slave girls of his subjects like a vulgar person would expose himself. David replied to Michal, I was only dancing, or I was dancing before the Lord who chose me over your father and his whole community to appoint me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will humble myself even more and humiliate myself. I will be honored by the slave girls you spoke about. And Saul's daughter, Michal, had no child to the day of her death. I guess. You got that, it reminds me of the Indians, man. Really does. Like him dancing like that. And they did, I mean, just a lot of stuff they did. He was looking to their culture. The indigenous people. Indigenous? Yeah, I said it wrong. Whatever. I'm one of those indigenous people, sir. Yeah, are you? Yeah. My, my dad's side, his grandma and grandpa were from the, I was it, the Virginia Cherokee Nation or whatever. Nice. No, but it's interesting that a lot of their culture. It is interesting. No, I agree. Seems to line up. I'm going to double check my pronunciation of these names. <laughs> my, my wife, she always, her, her parents always told her that they were part Indian and all that. <laughs> she did she did her uh, ancestry DNA. And that was not the case. Yeah, I think my, so my family members tried to tell me I was like Blackfoot Indian or something like that or but I, think I, I still think there's something wonky with that. What? Well, it matches up the historical records when you get to digging around and all that stuff. I, my whole, I haven't done it because I don't care. But uh, like I'm, I'm, I made, 
I made in the only image that matters. You know, I, I don't, I don't, right. it's just never, never has interest me. Oh, yeah. But anyway, it was, she's very much European, very much new, new Indian. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm pretty much all European. Where'd you guys go? Oh. Well, where'd you go? Where'd you go, sir? Yeah. I'm right here. <laughs> Obed them. Yeah. Obed Edom. Huh. Interesting. Obed Edom, the Gittite. And yeah, it's Michal. I don't know why the HCSB spells it almost like Michael. <laughs> Anyways, no, that whole with the whole ancestry thing though. Like when that when you check mine, like it shows like where a lot of my family came from, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it says like it basically says I'm a Viking descendant. I mean, more yeah. or less. You know, I got like some Irish, some Scots, some Nordic culture something the other yeah but um like i said my 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 dad um his grandma and his grandpa so my great great or great that'd be great yeah great grandparents or whatever uh were from the virginia cherokee nation and if you look at my dad you'd think he's mexican <laughs> I thought I was Mexican looking at my dad for a little while until because I didn't know my dad growing up or whatever. But anyways, long story short, we start, you know, when we finally got together and actually had bonding time, stuff like that. And I had to ask him about, you know, his background, you know, uh, ancestry and all that stuff. He told me all this stuff and was like, okay, it makes sense because he's really dark, you know? Right. And, and he's got that jet black you know indian hair but my uh and there's another thing too when i first did my uh ancestry thing it said that i had a huge chunk of uh native american in in my uh dna but now when you look there's like barely any and that's why i say i think there's something wonky with that so it's all it is is a collective right of, of, of DNA. So anytime there's like a, another, you know, chunk put into the pool, it waters down everything. And it's like, well, maybe you're a little bit less of this, but more of this. And yeah. It just creates um, more. Yeah. It's, it's just, everybody know, in the world's a mutt. That's all you need to know. A lot of people <laughs> get on, there, like, someone will get on there and they'll find out about their heritage. Like they're, you know, from Ireland or, or Jewish or whatnot. And they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. They completely just change their life and start acting a different way and do something I'm like what? Just because of my ancestry test, you gonna change your whole your whole vibe over here, dude? Oh yeah, I remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> I found out that I, uh, that I was related to William Wallace, and oh. so I was like, I need to wear a kilt. There you <laughs> go. Like, no, no, I I'll be wearing a kilt. I don't believe I'll do that. <laughs> I can dig we, it. With that, we even had the uh, 
the the uh, the plaid is on the wall over Dad's house. The uh, Wallace family plaid, whatever you call it. What is it called? The coat of arms. Uh, coat of arms, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I couldn't tell you what mine is. Mine has like a a cross with a, a crown over it. And then Nelson around, I can't remember. I don't know what that means, but yeah. every time yeah, I think of a cross, I think of crusades. Mm-hmm. I mean, really yeah. too. So look, looking at mine now, it says England and Northwestern Europe, Scotland, Sweden, and Denmark, Wales, France, Ireland, Finland. It's it's Viking. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's the only way I can explain it. Like all, especially every single one of those after freaking Britain, it's all like the the Viking territory. You had the Celts, you had the Scots, you had, you know. We're anyway. related. <laughs> <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> I was Europe. I was like British. Thing. I don't know what I am. Hannah knows. Hannah's what I am. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember. I think our, our Shannon's was like Germany and, and uh, our, our Scottish and Irish. That's it. Like, how boring is that? My wife actually has she has some African in her. Come on. The thing of it is, too, is like it's <laughs> it's DNA. So, like, okay. you know, you you could share more characteristics from the DNA of your mom than you do of your dad. Right. Like I can, for example, if me and my sister, we both have the same parents. You know, I have multiple brothers and sisters, but I have one sister that we have the same mom, same dad. If she took a test, hers would look different than mine. And I'm almost curious to see if, you know, if I like one of these days buy her a test and have her do it, how much different it would be. Right. With stuff like that, you have to remember that, like, your DNA is technically like two random sets of DNA from your parents' parents. Yeah. That's why it's so chaotic. What am I, Hannah? I don't know. Why don't we get back to the tour portions and we can all send our ancestry DNA thing or whatever you did (laughs) in the messenger chat? And then that way, that conversation can happen later because this could go on for the next four hours. I need to know if I need to get a kill or what's going on here. <laughs> just, look, just air on the safe side and get a kill. But second oh Samuel seven. Red, black, and oh. yellow. There you go. <laughs> when the king had settled into his palace and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, Look, I am living in a cedar house while the ark of God sits inside tent curtains. So Nathan told the king, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go to my servant, David, and say, this is what the Lord says. Are you to build a house for me to live in? 
From the time I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until now, I have not lived in a house. Instead, I have been moving around with a tent as my dwelling. In all my journeys with all the Israelites, have I ever asked anyone among the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel? Why haven't you built me a house of cedar? Now this is what you are to say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of hosts says. I took you from the pasture and from following the sheep to be a ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. I will make a name for you like that of the greatest in the land. I will establish a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evildoers will not afflict them as they have done. Ever since the day I ordered judges to be over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up after you, your descendant, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a human rod and with blows from others. But my faithful love will never leave him, as I removed it from Saul. I removed him from your way. Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. Nathan spoke all these words and this entire vision to David. Now we're going to flip back a little bit to Judges 6. Judges is a crazy book. Judges is pretty wild. I like it though. Verse 11 to 24, it says, The angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abians, right? I don't know what that is. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine vat in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our father told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have, you have and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? He said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Then he said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, give me a sign that you are speaking with me. Please do not leave this place until I return to you. Let me bring my gift and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from, half, from a half bushel of flour. He placed the meat in a basket and the yeah, and the broth and a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat with the unleavened bread, put it on the stone, and pour the broth on it. 
and he did so. The angel of the Lord extended the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Oh no, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Don't be afraid, for you will not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it Yahushalom. It is in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. I'm not sure what that is until today. There's that unleavened bread again. Abby is right. See, I don't know what it is, man. When I can look at a, a word, like in the TS2009, because it typically has the like the traditional spelling of the Hebrew words, and I can pronounce it. But when I look at something that's obviously just trying to anglicize the word, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I don't know. The spelling makes way more sense than Hebrew, in my opinion. Like Israel, you say Israel, but then the Hebrew word is Yisrael. And it, you know, it makes more sense to say Yisrael. I guess I'm just a country enough that I, it sounds that sounds forced when I try to do it, but everybody's different. I about to say it's easier for me to do it the, the other way. <laughs> Maybe I'm just so used to TS two thousand nine. I don't know. I think that's what it is. I'm TS two thousand nine. I read that. I'm just like uh, that word and that word and also that word. well see they have like the they have the correct punctuation like for like where you speak so like um yeah so like gideon it's gidon you have the abby is right when i'm looking at that word in the hcsb you just heard me i was stumbling over myself i was like what is this word I, i i still don't know what the abby is rights are meant to look that up. But anyways, yeah. It was just... Side note. Abby's right. <laughs> Abby's right. Uh, something to do with Midian. I reckon. Now we're going to Ezekiel. Ezekiel's fire. That's why people send an ancestry stuff in the chat. Who's doing that? <laughs> I think me and Hannah's probably related too. <laughs> I was just something, yeah. It's me. 
Yeah. Anyways, let's get back. Ezekiel 42, 13 through 20. You're going to speak about the altar. Hands of the Congo people. These are the measurements of the altar, its units of length, each unit being the standard length plus three inches. The gutter is 21 inches deep and 21 inches wide, with a rim of nine inches around its edge. This is the base of the altar. The distance from the gutter on the ground to the lower ledge is three and a half feet, and the width of the ledge is 21 inches. There are seven feet from the small ledge to the large ledge, whose width is also 21 inches. We're going to read this from the Septuagint in a minute, too. <laughs> from the small ledge to the large ledge, whose width is also 21 inches, the altar hearth is seven feet high, and four horns project upward from the hearth. The hearth is square, 21 feet long by 21 feet wide. The ledge is 24 and a half feet long by 24 and a half feet wide, with four equal sides. The rim all around it is 10 and a half inches, and its gutter is 21 inches all around it. The altar steps faced east. When he said to me, Son of man, this is what the Lord God says. These are the statutes for the altar on the day it is constructed, so that burnt offerings may be sacrificed on it and blood may be sprinkled on it. You are to give a bull from the herd as a sin offering to the Levitical priests who are from the offspring of Zadok, or Zadok who approach me in the order to serve me. This is the declaration of the Lord God. You must take some of its blood and apply it to the four horns of the altar, the four corners of the ledge, and all around the rim. In this way, you will purify the altar and make atonement for it. Oh. Well, there's the... That wasn't part of the portion. I read 43... 13 through 20. <laughs> supposed to be 42. It's okay. Extra scripture's always good. Yeah, yeah, it's fine because I'm also, I'm still going to read this from the Septuagint too. I was wondering. Um, why it wasn't uh, LXX. Usually, i make sure I click or put that in there. Uh, yeah, so check this out. If I follow along in your Masoretic text, I'm going to read this from the Septuagint. Ezekiel 43, and it states, <clears throat> These are the dimensions of the altar by the cubit of the cubit and handbreadth, a hole of a depth, <clears throat> about a cubit and the width of a cubit, and a projection upon its borders all around it was a span, and this was the height of the altar, from the bottom of the beginning of its hole to this great lower ledge, two cubits, and the width, a cubit, from the small ledge to the great ledge. <laughs> from the small ledge to the great ledge, four cubits, and a width, a cubit. Hmm. Reads a whole lot different, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. 
if you read it out of the Brenton Septuagint, this is how it reads. That was the Lexham Septuagint, which still is different than the Masoretic. But the Brenton is even more descriptive, and it states this. And these are the measures of the altar by the cubit of a cubit and a span. The cavity shall be a cubit deep, and a cubit shall be the breadth. And the border, excuse me, on the rim of it, abound, or round about, shall be a span, and this shall be the height of the altar. From the bottom, at the commencement of the hollow part, to this great mercy seat, from beneath was two cubits, and the breadth was a cubit, and from the little mercy seat to the great mercy seat, four cubits, and the breadth was a cubit. And see, sometimes stuff like this makes you wonder if Yeshua pre-existed. Just saying. Sometimes. No, I, I, I would agree, but I can also make the argument that this is... Um, messianic era which means that it's future tense that's true (laughs) but not really there's lots of things in scripture that makes me go back and forth on that subject and i'm like i don't know man i'm not positive myself but that's a whole other topic Um, i'm not taking on that rabbit trail so and why? And where does that? Well, I guess we'll. I'll ask later. No, go ahead, bro. <laughs> uh, wh- why did you say that? What? Where are you getting at there? There's two mercy uh, seats. Mm-hmm. A little mercy seat, a great mercy seat. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was saying sometimes it makes me wonder about if Yeshua preexisted because of stuff like that. Like there was a mercy seat, the great one, which would be the fathers, and a small mercy seat would be the sons okay i was trying to follow in the in the uh hcsb and i couldn't keep up because it doesn't match so i i was just lost there for a second and then you said that and I was, wait a minute what do you have, well, do you if, you, if you i think he's got the britain septuagint yeah i've got it right here yeah so open up to ezekiel <laughs> Uh, 43 verses 13 and 14 make you a note next to that because it's totally different than the Masoretic and this all goes back and I I see your point here's my thing I do not think and and, and I don't want to start like no huge debate or discussion or nothing like that but I do not think that Yeshua is the same as Father Yah I think they're two distinctly separate people. They're not one entity. <laughs> right. But I do go back and forth because I can see where people would get that he did pre-exist, but I can also make a case or make an understanding of how that would make, you know, these passages I'm seeing where people say, this is, you know, it says, oh, he pre-existed. I can also make sense of it in a sense of, um, well, we have prophetic perfect. We have future tense um, events like what we just read. Like this is messianic era, which means that this is a future event. This is something that is not yet, but will be. <laughs> so I, I go back and forth 
And I don't have a problem with anybody that says that, you know, Yeshua preexisted. And I don't have a problem with anybody that says that he didn't preexist. I don't think anybody should force, you know, either way or the other, because scripture doesn't make a distinction. Well, that's my, that's my thing about the Trinity is that Christianity dons that as something that we must believe to, to be a Christian. And I, I don't see how I have to believe that a triune God is taught in scripture exclusively to be, to believe that Jesus died for my sins. I just don't, I don't see how. So actually there's lots of people in Christianity starting to wake up to that's being falsely preached. Yeah. I mean, it's, not the, it's not the idea that, cause there is a father, son and Holy spirit and how they are connected. I mean, we're not supposed to know that. I mean, we can't possibly fathom how that <laughs> in our little minds, how that works. I, I get where some okay. So <laughs> go ahead. To the whole okay, so I've taught the plan of different Transarians and taught the people that believe, you know, Jesus is God and stuff like that, like the most high God. And I've listened to lots of different ways of they explained it. And I get where some of them get. And the one that I probably have the, the most against though is like um that got like <laughs> I would say that like Jesus came down, like God came down, took on, like he was literally like, like God and Jesus was the same person. That That's the one I have the hardest time with. There's, there's ones that think like there are like three gods and one, like three Godheads. And they think they're separate people, which I get that part. Um, then there's ones that, you know, think that God's a spirit, you know, and so spirit just came in, which I can't prove a hundred percent whether if God's just spirit or a physical body or not. So I can't really prove it. But um, they'll take that and they'll say like it was you know his spirit was in Christ whatever so he was God so, like I've heard of that one so I've heard lots of different arguments on which is but ultimately the main thing is it says in Scripture says you gotta believe that Jesus is the Son of God you have to believe and you he have came to, in the flesh yeah and he came in the flesh you have to say those things those are the, the two things that like it says in Scripture so. That's what I go by. So if you, if you believe Jesus, the Son of God, came in the flesh, and like, yep. I'm like, all right. So I want to, I want to make this point too: is the same people, the same people that you know come up with this doctrine of the Trinity and all of that stuff way back when, are the same people that uh, we were speaking of, you know, a few weeks back with. Um, you know, the institution of Easter, you know, and it all boils, boils down to they did not understand. So you have this concept, which going back to the Easter thing, like they're like, well, you know, the, the Jews celebrate Passover twice in one year. So let's just make a new day, which just screams Jeroboam to me. Um, <laughs> but all you got to do is go back and read the Hebrew scriptures. And it says, okay, if you're defiled on this day, you know, by means of dead body or whatever, one month after that, you celebrate the Passover. That's how important it is that he said there's two. There's going to be two. You can come and celebrate this one a month after to make sure that you're still able to offer the the Passover sacrifice. That's how important it was, which I think we should all be mindful of. But 
So that's, you know, one point. But they didn't understand the Godhead aspect. And most Christians today can't even tell you what the Godhead is. They say, you say Godhead, and they're automatically thinking that that's just, you know, the father that's like the the leader of these other parts of himself, and it makes up the Trinity. No, Godhead is literally, it, it is explained as a divine, the divine essence. Anybody that would follow under what God has you know, ruled or dictated us to do would be following in the footsteps of a Godhead. That same Godhead has people under him or this divine essence are people, his agents that act in accordance to that Godhead, that divine essence. They walk out the will of what he said to do. We see this with Yeshua. We see this with Moses. Of course, Moses failed and Yeshua didn't, but it's the same concept. It is a human that is following the divine essence, the, the actual being of the most high God that tells us how we are supposed to conduct ourselves as humans on his earth, not our earth, his earth. That's what the Godhead is. And instead of people like actually doing a study on this stuff, they're like, oh, well, you know, this, this is the Father. And, you know, we got the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's like an egg, but also like ice cubes. And <laughs> rant over. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the thing that. So I've actually been talking to. Um... But it's, he is a Christian pastor, right, in a Christian church. And he, um, me and him agree on this. You know, that, you know, you have to just confess that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came in the flesh, and that's what matters. And uh, how all the rest of it works. And he actually believes, he's like, he, he said, I don't really believe in the Trinity, but he said, I always tell people, like, from a Trinitarian stance, come on, I take. He said, I believe in the Godhead. And he's like, well, there's God, the Father, God, you know, the Son. And then the God, the Holy Spirit. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, um, and I asked him, I said, if you walk into a room, how many people are there? If there was, you know, the Father and the Son's in there, he said two. I was like, well, that's how I would take it then. And so the whole, you have to believe Jesus is, the, is God, the most high God thing is crazy. Cause yeah, and I think it's Torah observers too. And this is where Torah observers in Christianity need to kind of talk about these things. Instead of just, I don't believe Jesus is God. I'm like, I believe Jesus is God, right? Well, I do believe Jesus is God, but he's not the most high God. I believe he's the son of God, which he does have a God status. He was even made himself, or he didn't make himself, the father made him equal with him because he gave him authority to do what he had to do. But once all is said and done, he hands that authority back over to the father. So he is in a place of authority which the father has given him and let him have for a time. Which and is it, not an, it's, it, I was going to say, it's not an um, uncommon thing. When you go back through Hebrew scriptures, we just read with David, what happened with David. Yeah. So because the whole, he was obedient. The father was there keeping him safe, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's my whole thing is people just get up in arms about things that are not in scripture be honest with you though, and this is why the, the the titles have to go away. The titles are the problem. Everyone wants to hold the titles, and when you hold the titles, you put yourself in a box. 
and then you can't go outside your box where people are like, well, you can't believe this. You can't believe that because you're not this, you're not that. And then this is where we have the problem right now. And which I would say tour observant community has even become a religion at this point, which is why I won't even say tour observant really anymore because it's just, it's just another religion. You know, there's doctrines within it. Um, I just like this, you know, keep it simple to people and would tell someone I'm a Christian which would just mean someone that's a follower of Christ, which is the anointed one and follower of the, of the way, the old time way that even Jeremiah was talking about going back to. So, and you just keep it that simple, you know, just followers of the way. That's, that's the most important thing. It was Acts 24, 14. That's what Acts Paul speaks. Yep. So, and, and I think if we just get away from these titles though, people could open up their minds to really understand scripture. Because when we put titles, mess, I'm messianic. Um, I'm, I'm Torbs. I'm Hebrew roots. I'm, I'm Christian. Um, I'm a Christianity. I'm Pentecostal. I'm Baptist. I'm Mormon. You got the Mormons, whatever. I, I'm in Catholicism. I mean, I'm Catholic. You know, all these different, different clans. You know, these different clans. That there's different factions, right? Which divide people. Then people can't open up their minds to really understand Scripture. They're just constantly going to debate their doctrine because oh no if i go out this other realm of the thing i believe in my doctrine and i'm testing things you know people are going to look at me a funny way you know and that's it's we've been programmed to have titles in our life which shouldn't be that way you know we're not god doesn't have some title doctrine you know he's just he's god it's that simple he's god he's the most high you know believe in him I, his well, <laughs> I, I mean, he has he does days, have a but, title doctrine that's called the way. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying he that's doesn't a, have different doctrines, right. you know, these different like classes. I mean, he just wants people to come and worship him and be obedient to him. That's the main thing. He wants us to want him. So. I agree. That's that's the problem we're having. That's what me and him were even talking about, because I was like, how do we. You know, how do we like bridge this gap between people, you know, as far as because me and him don't agree eye to eye on everything, but he's he's willing to hear me out. And I'm willing to hear him out. And I think that's the way it needs to be is people need to be willing to sit down and actually talk with people and just let the scripture, you know, present itself and let the scripture interpret what y'all are trying to know, which I think a lot of people have gotten away from. They go into scripture with i have this mindset already so they have a certain set of glasses that they've been given to look at through rather than just taking the glasses off and letting the spirit show you what it wants to show you we should tell people to do that with leviticus 11 all right <laughs> <laughs> And Exodus 20, to be honest, the whole thing, not, you know, it's not removing any of the Ten Commandments either. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get back on track with actually reading 42, 13 through 20 now. But that was a good little side note for everybody. The difference of the Masoretic and the Septuagint and Ezekiel 43, 13 through 20. Now let's read 42, 13 through 20, which is what I was supposed to read. 
says, <clears throat> Then the man said to me, The northern and southern chambers that face the temple yard are the holy chambers where the priests who approach the Lord will eat the most holy offerings. There they will deposit the most holy offerings, the grain offerings, sin offerings, and restitution offerings for the place is holy. Once the priests have entered, they must not go out from the holy area to the outer court till they have removed the clothes they minister in, for these are holy. They are to put on other clothes before they approach the public area. When he finished measuring inside the temple complex, he led me out by the way of the gate that faced east and measured all around the complex. He measured the east side with a measuring rod. It was 875 feet by the measuring rod. He measured the north side. It was 875 feet by the measuring rod. He measured the south side. It was 875 feet by the measuring rod. Then he turned to the west side and measured 875 feet by the measuring rod. He measured the temple complex on all four sides. It had a wall all around it, 875 feet long by 875 feet wide to separate the holy from the common. And then verses one through nine of 43. He led me to the gate, the one that faces east. And I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice sounded like the roar of mighty waters and the earth shone with his glory. The vision I saw was like the one I had seen when he came to destroy the city and like the ones I had seen by the Chabar Canal. And I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple by the way of the gate that faced east. Then the Lord lifted me up and brought me to the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. While the man was standing beside me, I heard someone speaking to me from the temple. He said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place for the soles of my feet, where I dwell, or while I will dwell among the Israelites forever. The house of Israel and their kings will no longer defile my holy name by their religious prostitution and by the corpses of their kings at their high places. Whenever they place their threshold next to my threshold and their doorposts beside my doorposts, with only a wall between me and them, they were defiling my holy name by the detestable acts they committed. So I destroyed them in my anger. Now let them remove their prostitution and the corpses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell among them forever. Again, this is all uh, Messianic era. I like the book of Ezekiel. Yeah. Now, we'll get into some apocryphal stuff. Second Ezra 2, 1 through 13.
<clears throat> and it says this. Thus says the Lord, I brought this people out of bondage, and I gave them commandments through my servants, the prophets, but they would not listen to them and made my counsels void. The mother who bore them says to them, go, my children, because I am a widow and forsaken. I brought you up with gladness, but with mourning and sorrow, I have lost you because you have sinned before the Lord God and have done what is evil in my sight. But now what can I do for you? For I am a widow and forsaken. Go, my children, and ask for mercy for, from the Lord. Now I call upon you, Father, as a witness in addition to the mother of my children, or of the children, because they would not keep my covenant, so that you may bring confusion on them and bring their mother to ruin, so that they may have no offspring. Let them be scattered among the nations. Let their names be blotted out from the earth, because they have despised my covenant. Woe to you, Assyria! who conceal the unrighteous within you. A wicked, O wicked nation, remember what I did to Sodom and Gomorrah, whose land lies in lumps of pitch and heaps of ashes. That is what I will do to those who have not listened to me, says the Lord Almighty. Thus says the Lord to Ezra, tell my people that I will give, the, give them the kingdom of Jerusalem, which I was going to give to Israel. Moreover, I will take back to myself their glory and will give to these others the everlasting habitations which i had prepared for israel the tree of life shall give them fragrant perfume and they shall neither toil nor become weary go and you will receive pray that your days may be few that they may be shortened the kingdom is already prepared for you be on the watch Yeah, I thought I was following along with the King James version of Apocrypha. It's, it's pretty close. Good deal. One I had handy, I, I, was, I was seeing whether I could get it on Logos, and I could. It was there with the, came with the program, and I, so I was looking at it today. And, and King James English is not that bad. There are some words that are just like, what? <laughs> yeah, a little but, bit. But it, it's really not that bad. It's not nearly as bad as it was this time last year for a guy like for the plow boy. <laughs> I, I will agree. It's, it's, I read it occasionally. It's not terrible. I just, I don't like the whole King James onlyism. Oh no! No, that's that's foolishness. And then we'll read this snippet of Isaiah. It says, Isaiah four three through four. It says, whoever remains in Zion and whoever is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. All in Jerusalem are destined, or who are destined to live. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood guilt from the heart of Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning.
Zion's future glory. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm just curious what this says, so bear with me a minute. Matthew 3, 11 through 17. baptize you with water for repentance but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I I am not worthy to remove his sandals he himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire his winnowing shovel and it is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the chaff he will burn up with fire that never goes out then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him but John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. And then we end with Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. I like this too. It's a, a proper 
correlation of Paul with the Torah. <laughs> it says, therefore, be imitators of God, which we just read in Leviticus 11. Be holy because he's holy. As dearly loved children and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexually immoral and any impurity or greed or sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as it is it is proper for saints. Coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners, for you were once, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret everything exposed by the light is made clear but what makes everything clear is light therefore it is said get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and the messiah will shine on you pay careful attention then to how you walk not as unwise people but as wise making the most of the time because the days are evil, so don't be foolish, but understand th what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. And that is the end of the portion.